Welcome back to Vikes with a Mike. As always, your host JC with my co-host Tyler Williams. Dude, I I am beyond stoked to begin this episode. First of all, let's let's start out. Let's let's tell some people what we got going on here. It is going to yeah. be a bit different um, for all of you listeners who are used to the podcast. I want to let you know right now that. There are going to be some differences with this episode, some things to look forward to uh, because of the differences. And let's just start off with uh, with getting right into them here. So, so some changes that we want to let you guys know. This podcast, we are aiming to be for uh, under an hour long here. So we're not going to be getting into the games around the league this week or any sort of playoff stuff. Obviously, uh, the Vikings not being in the playoffs is a large part of that, but the flip side of that coin is there will be an episode coming out on Thursday that will be digging more into the status of the NFL, changes um, with coaching, with GMs, with the playoffs, picking our teams that we plan to root for uh, in the coming playoffs, how we see the playoffs unfolding, giving our predictions for all of that. Uh, and then other things to look forward in the offseason, we have potential guests that are coming on. Um, we're going to host some debates about such things as the coaching situation. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yep. Yep. Coaching uh, debate, whether or not the Vikings need to move on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman potentially. Uh, and then uh, other situations such as mock drafts and off season um, situations as, as more news unfolds for the, for the Minnesota Vikings here in the coming weeks. So we're looking forward to that, but we are going to keep it, short compared to some of our previous episodes um, in regards to this episode today. But as always, we'll get right into this last week, the last week of Vikings yep. football. So that's sad. Um, man, but there's so much to talk about, right? T? It's crazy. Yeah, it really is, man. Oh, what, what do you, what do you think about this Lions game? Tell me a few things that, that really stood out to you for, for the Lions. Um, I, I was, I was not a fan of winning this game. Um, it was, it was really just, it was tough. I mean, I didn't want to win the game, but I was impressed with our offense. It, it's just like, we played so well this year. Um, without Dalvin, even man, without Dalvin, JJ just yeah. doing his thing. Kirk yep. really stood out. Kirk really stood out for me this game. Um, Conk, just the whole offensive unit. Madison played phenomenal. The yeah. line is obviously a question we have, but I mean, all the skill players were just balling out. And I, there's nothing more I can say about how well they played on the offensive side. With the way that things shaped um, as far as other games around the league, I think the highest pick that the Vikings could have got if they lost to the Lions this last week was maybe number 12. And we're sitting at 15 right now, I believe. So it's a matter of about three picks if we take the loss. Yep. So I'm actually, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I, I'm happy that we won this game. I know that I kind of went into it saying that I wanted us to lose this game, but because of the way that things kind of panned out, um, I'm happy that we won. You look at the Eagles and how Doug Peterson basically um, made them lose that game. And you have a lot of guys that I'm hearing reports that there were people being held back on the sideline for yeah. you know, wanting to go after Doug Peterson. And um you know, I said earlier, we're not going to get into other games around the league, but, but the reason I bring that up is because you don't want the Minnesota Vikings to turn into one of those organizations or 
you don't want the Minnesota Vikings to turn into the Lions either. You know, that they're yep. we're just okay with winning just so we can get a higher draft pick. It's really not going to be that different as far as the talent level of uh, who we'll be receiving. And, and we'll get more into that, obviously, um, as the offseason progresses and teams become more aware of what their needs are, who leaves in free agency and all that kind of stuff. But you mentioned some things that I want to touch on really quick. Uh, I also had Madison as one thing that I really wanted to touch on. Some really big uh, notes for Madison. Number one, he stepped in for Cook. Shout out to yep. Cook's family. Prayers up to him. Horrible situation with his dad passing away. Um, but Madison could be a starter somewhere else. And Boone looked good too, but specifically Madison. He had a 90.4 PFF grade on only 21 rushes. He got him in there for a touchdown, and he averaged 4.5 yards a game on each. Yeah, that's – he could be a starter literally in any any other team, a lot of teams, not every team, but I would say a lot. It's it's impressive what he's doing. Um, yeah, just – you can't really fill in for Dalvin Cook, but he did a tremendous job. Right, right. There's, there's no um, – there's no meeting the same production level as Cook, but but he he did a really great job of stepping in. And then you you mentioned Kirk. What was it that you liked about Kirk exactly? Because I mean, obviously JJ went off, and we'll get into that later when we talk about the rookie of the year conversation and all that stuff. But I wasn't blown away by him. I don't have him as a keynote that I needed to bring up. My other thing yeah. really here is is the, is the defense. But tell me what your thoughts are on Kirk. For me, it was really just he was not afraid. We were seeing him not just throw the simple dump down check downs. He was taking some shots down the field. We were getting those 20, 25-yard passes instead of little dump-offs. He was finding right. the open man. I know it's against the Detroit Lions defense. That's probably one of the worst in the league. But, I mean, I'm just impressed with that. I mean, he was able to get the ball to Justin Jefferson, which Vikings fans obviously appreciated because if that wouldn't have happened – Ooh, I would not want to have saw, seen Twitter, but um, <laughs> getting JJ the ball, he got feeling the ball at times. He didn't have the biggest game, but just his his poise was better as well. I don't know how many sacks he took. It might have been one or two, but yeah, man, he just one of his better games for sure. For sure, um, I agree that he did have have a really good game. I uh, I guess I I just wasn't blown away to the point maybe it was because of who we were facing or because of the the fact that the game didn't have any uh, bearing on how the season was going to end really for us. Um, It was one thing that I I will say that you bring up a really good point is the fact that he let the ball fly. I wish that we would have done that more throughout the season. And we'll get that into that specifically, or at least I will when we, when it comes to the rookie of the year conversation and Justin Jefferson, because I think that honestly is the difference between some wins and losses that we took earlier in the season. I mean, I think there's a specific individual who also held him back from doing a certain thing, which apparently he's not going to be there next year. So, you know, we'll get into that as well. We're yeah. I know how excited you are to talk about that. But then the other thing, just real quick to kind of wrap up um, our overview of this last week's game is the defense. They played well for who was on the field. I mean, (laughs) wasn't much that was on the field to be completely honest with you. Uh, But only one player cracked a PFF grade of 75 and it was Eric Wilson. Everybody else was under him. And Eric Wilson is going to command about a nine to $11 million per year price tag. 
as he goes into free agency. And I'm not, we don't need that, in my opinion. We, we're really not in a position where we need to give that to him, especially since when you look at our cap position, we honestly don't have the money for it. Um, so, yeah, that's really my, my last note is just kind of buy Eric because he didn't put on enough to impress me as far as the run game goes, even though his pass coverage was pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, I just, the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because we're going to move now into an overview of the season as a whole. Yep. Yep. And the first thing that I have here is, is defensively we finished week 17 with only five starters who also started week one. That's crazy. Yeah. So while obviously there's some context to a few of these changes, such as, you know, performance and off the field issues with maybe your, your Holton Hills or trade requests with uh, Unique Ningakwe. Um, it was also one of the most banged up squads of the year. So when you couple the fact that the defense was banged up with injuries all year, they had a bunch of new faces, rookies. Um, they had a really major fall from grace, you could call it. You know, they went from the fourth overall defensive unit, um, including regular and postseason statistics, according to PFF, to the 27th overall team this past season. Um, yep. obviously missing the playoffs as well. So, yeah, our, our defense only managed to get a grade above 75 once, and it was against the Jags. They received a grade of 76.3 overall, and they only won that game by a field goal, which, I mean, we'll get into it here in a second, but special teams and field goal kicking was not a strong point of this this group either. Yeah. No, but if, if you want to speak on the defense, I've just got a quick one. It's quick something to also say about the defense. Um, this is the first time in the Zimmer era that we were outscored by our opponents, actually. 40, 430 to 475. So, Oh, just, wow. Yeah, just to let you know that. Um, I think our offense was tremendous this year. To keep yep. it short, I think our offense was tremendous this year, but the defense was just just pushing our level of play down, man. No, I'm, and I'm glad that you brought that up because the offense was exactly where I was headed. But that's crazy that we were yeah. outscored for the first time overall in the Mike in the Zimmer, Zimmer era. Yep. That's insane. And that's not like a, by a small margin either. That's, that's a significant amount. No, I just think that that shows, though, that this offense played tremendous this year. Almost, they were close even, man. It was like 45 points, so, yeah. Yeah, right, which for a Vikings offense these past few years is pretty crazy. And getting into that specifically, we placed seventh overall in the league with a grade of 84.5. That's the highest that it's been in Zimmer's time as our head coach, interesting enough, to go back to yeah. your point. Um, and – you know, we're, we're coming into a situation with our offensive co coordinator, uh, potential QB controversy if the Vikings go a certain way in the draft. Um, but there really shouldn't be any decline here. Uh, with the rising, you know, of JJ, who's an absolute animal, and we'll discuss that here yep. in, in, in a few minutes. Um, you have Cook, who's arguably the best overall running back in the league when you take in rushing and receiving. Obviously, the purest rushing running back would arguably Derek, be Derrick Henry. Um, but offensively, this is crazy. Just listen to this. 
we had six players that ranked within the top 15 of their position league-wide, including two wide receivers in the top 10, two running backs in the top 11, and the 10th best quarterback. And then the other one was C.J. Ham at fullback. Yep. That's insane. I mean, that's super promising. Who, who in their right mind, fan or incoming staff member, when we get to the discussion about offensive coordinator and offensive assistant, um, wouldn't be excited about potentially just, you know, adding some more offensive line stability, getting those defensive starters back that were out due to injury, yep. and then hopefully a competent special teams unit without Dan Bailey and our special teams coordinator. I mean, that's, I don't know who, if you're not excited for that, I, there's no way to sell you on the Minnesota Vikings. It just, it just shows that we have the skill players, man. We have just the guys that are going to go make plays. Absolutely. I, I'm specifically looking forward to seeing exactly how much Justin Jefferson does. You know, obviously there's, there's the potential of changing up a scheme. Um, with whoever comes in as the offensive coordinator, but I think I think JJ, I think I think Cook, I think both those guys, and hopefully Thielen as well, are going to have a monster monster years next year. Because yeah. all you really need to do is you need to be average or slightly above average on the defensive side of the ball at this point. If you can if you continue to have the offensive production that we've had. You're looking at a, a 12 win team, 13 win team. If you're if you're in the 12 to 15 range defensively, and if you're higher, then that's even better. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, any any other thoughts offensively as far as the entire season goes? On your end, Tyler. Um. Yeah. Just one quick note as well. Um. Dalvin Cook actually had the third best rushing season in team history behind Adrian Peterson. Adrian had the first two he was in the record books as number one and two obviously 2012 being the highest um, right his best rushing year and then 2008 with 1,760 yards Delvin finished with 1,557 yards this year so a tremendous and, year from him and he missed a couple of games as well man I was gonna so. say I was gonna say he he either got taken out at certain points in games he obviously missed the last game entirely I can't remember. I don't think he missed any other game entirely, but um, that's that's absolutely insane. I don't know exactly how much he was averaging per game. Do you know that? No. How many yards he was averaging? Um, anyways, I'll, I'll I'll maybe be able to look into that in a second. But yeah, that's crazy that that he had that good of a season with, especially with as we were just kind of getting into the defensive situation, you know, with yep. all of the starters that we were missing. Um, I think that's totally speaks to, to him uh, and his ability. Okay. So then obviously moving into the final phase out of all three, when we look at the entire team over the season is special teams. And in my opinion, there's literally nothing to be happy about here. So that is the reason why our special teams coordinator, uh, Marwin Malouf, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the Vikings are just going to let his contract expire. They will not be bringing him back. Dan Bailey was absolutely horrendous. He finished with 86% of his PATs missed and an abysmal 
68.2% of his field goals. That's horrible. You have literally one job. I mean, I know we joke about that. You know, we say that when, yeah. when a kicker misses, but when you actually look at the numbers all together at the end of the season, you have one freaking job and you can't do that. That's insane to me. Absolutely yeah. insane. You got to be better than that. It's you're an NFL kicker. We were, he was missing both extra points and field goals though. Like it wasn't one or the other. It was both. He was missing every kick. It's inexcusable. The Vikings just get fooled with these kickers every year by just giving them contracts. And then, Oh, going to go out and miss kicks the next year. Like, I don't care what it is. He has to be replaced. I, I would 100% agree with you. 100%. Um, moving on to, oh, actually, no, not moving on. Uh, first of all, do you have any other things on special teams? Cause I have another specific thing that I want to mention about special teams that really ticks me off when we look back at the entire season. No, you can go ahead. I, I don't. Okay. Return specialist KJ Osborne. How many of you, looking back, are so happy that the Vikings went out and got their return specialist, KJ, instead of, drumroll please, Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of the University of Minnesota. I went in, right, and I, you know, just for funsies, looked at the stats between these two, right? Now, obviously, Tyler, as far as I know, was not – returning any sort of punts or any sort of kick returns I didn't see any significant numbers on that but when we just look at overall production for teams KJ finishes the season with a terrible grade of 48 on the dot in the in the entire return game that includes kickoffs and punt returns and then right next to him, you have Chad Beebe, who has a 55.5 grade and two muff punts, right? Okay. So both those guys eating up roster spots. I know that Chad Beebe produced a little bit more in the passing game, but KJ didn't at all. So let's just focus on him. Just to rub some salt in that wound, for those of you who are like me and wanted to see Johnson and Purple over Osborne, KJ was a healthy scratch in seven games this, this season. While Johnson contributed on offense every game, either at least logging a snap somewhere, getting in the mix, or starting, and he averaged 14.1 yards per per reception and had two touchdowns on the year. Absolutely insane. I mean, I don't know. What's your opinion, JJ or – or JJ or Johnson because or KJ or Johnson I should say not JJ sorry it's been talking about JJ so much I got him on on the mind it's sad I mean Johnson's a guy from here he definitely would love to play here um I know he'd bust his butt um Osborne I just don't as a returner when you have guys like Abdullah BB even Mike Boone in in the mix that could be doing this yeah, you Boone was the one up. who ended with the, the highest return grade. I can't remember it right off the top, but I think it was over 60. But you have guys like those who, Boone Abdullah, I think who, who could be doing that returning job and maybe BB, I don't know. But 
it's just ridiculous because Osborne, like we just let him, let him sit on the bench after he made mistakes. Like he's not, what, what's, yeah. what was the point of taking him there? You know what I mean? Like it was kind exactly. of just a waste of a pick. He, he didn't play any snaps out at wide receiver for us. Like he didn't nope. do anything. Johnson could have at least given us a little bit of uh, some snaps at wide out. You know what I mean? Like, especially yes. depth at that position after JJ and Adam, we don't have much there at that no, position. Yeah. So and it's like, I'm actually, I'm you know, glad that you, Yep. I no, 100%. Sorry. I, I should have let you finish, but I just had to get this in. I mean, you look at KJ, Tajay Sharp and Ola BC Johnson. Yep. Those guys took up roster spots at wide receiver that could have been filled by literally anybody else that actually produced something. I mean, Tajay was practically ignored the entire season, and we brought him in as a free agent. I think he signed, like, a pretty good deal. Like, he made a, a bit of money. Yeah. And was never used. Olabisi started out as our wide receiver number two. Yeah, he had some moments, but whatever. And then Chad Beebe almost gave away a game. Granted, he managed to redeem himself in the end, but – these aren't guys that are consistently making plays for us or proving they deserve to keep a spot on the roster, in my opinion. And another thing, it's just Johnson's college career at Minnesota was so underrated, but it was just, it was special. If you were a person who watched those, if you were a person who watched those games, like this guy was not just a leader on the field for that team. He just contributed everything on and off. He literally, the bowl game he had against Auburn was nuts. He was like the leading receiver besides Bateman, like KJ Osborne. I didn't even hear about him in college. Like I, I didn't know who he was and that's not even being biased. That's not being biased. Me being from Minnesota. I didn't hear anybody talking about him going into the, the draft. Johnson, at least some analysts would talk about him. You know what I mean? Like 100%. I don't no, know I, what Rick's thinking there. Yeah. Yeah. Slick Rick might've outdone himself a little bit that time in my opinion, but, you know, to a certain extent, you win some, you lose some. I just, I wish that they would have taken a little bit more of a chance with the hometown kid, him, honestly, and Antoine Winfield. I mean, we go back to that, that thing that I talked about with only five starters out of the original 11 on week one. Yep. Anthony Harris was a total anomaly last year. He played amazing last year, and he did not do jack squat this year. Like, he looked bad at times, really bad. And actually, he proved that this last week, too. So I don't even know if Anthony Harris – I mean, he'll probably make a squad, but he's de- it's definitely not going to be the Minnesota Vikings. And he's most definitely not going to be playing at the same level that he did in 2019, at least from what I can see. Yep. So, I, I yeah, I would have loved to have seen Winfield Jr. in purple and Tyler Johnson in purple. And I know that I'm super biased because I go to the University of Minnesota, but th- these guys are, are guys that are also producing at high levels. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. should win Defensive Rookie of the Year, potentially, if it wasn't for Chase Young, who's probably yeah. going to win it. Yeah. But – yeah, uh, just absolutely insane, man. Absolutely insane. At least with special teams, we can feel confident that we'll have a new coordinator, somebody who is hopefully competent enough to just, you know, <laughs> you 
not give up long returns consistently and make blunders and mistakes and almost give up the football and all that stuff. You know, as long as we just stay away from that and get somewhat good starting field position for our offense, that's all you got to do. And then as far as kicking woes, I mean, it just feels like a freaking curse on the organization at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that 100%, but what are you going to do? <laughs> yep. Well, we'll get out. We'll obviously, we'll, we'll get into it when we, when we get into the off off season stuff in the future, you know, talking, I'm sure about the kicking game and maybe potential free agents or, if we go back to the Daniel Carlson situation and try to draft another kicker, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we look at how that worked out for the Raiders. Too bad we let that kid go. Um, but yeah. So next we have the, oh yeah, the rookie of the year conversation is the next thing that we want to talk about. So I, I want to start with you, Tyler. What do you think? Rookie of the year, yep. JJ versus Justin Herbert. Yep. Give me, give me your thoughts, man. For me, it's just like Jefferson obviously broke the rookie yardage record in the NFL this past week, um, beating out Anquan Bolden and uh, obviously the team record with Randy Moss, which is absurd. Um, these are he's doing things that rookie wide receivers or even other veteran elite wide receivers don't do. And it's like, you don't ever see this. He's breaking these records that these don't happen like year in and year out. He's just putting up numbers. Like this isn't, this isn't a thing you see from the wide receiver position and Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert, I got to give him his props. He's a great quarterback, but it's Jefferson contributed to this team so much. I mean, without Jefferson, this team doesn't even win four games. Like Oh, him filling that spot with digs just helped this team even get seven wins. It it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's close. I don't think this is a quarterback award, which I think these people who are voting, I hope they don't, this isn't a quarterback award. This is the rookie of the year, the best overall rookie who put up the best numbers and helped contribute to their team the most. And I think Justin Jefferson has it beat the chargers didn't start winning games till the second half of the season. So yeah, Jefferson all the way, man. Those are, those are awesome, awesome points. Um, I have some more statistical data to, to back up my opinion as far as JJ goes. And I, I totally agree with you. You have to give Justin Herbert all the props in the world. I mean, the dude yep. threw for over 4,000 yards. He broke rookie QB records left and right. He, he was a monster. I understand it. But his team didn't win. And some may argue that those losses are due to coaching, uh, which is why they fired Anthony Lynn. But he's still, rookie or not, the quarterback gets to touch the ball practically every play, unless yep. you're running out of the wildcat or doing something absolutely insane. Quarterback gets to touch the ball every play. He has the most opportunities to break these types of records, put up these types of numbers, okay? That's why Justin looks so good. Not to mention all the weapons that he has on that offense, okay? And I understand, like we've been saying, the Vikings have a lot of weapons. But if anything, that should that should propel Justin's candidacy even farther. The fact that we have other guys on the offense, like Herb Smith, like yep. Kyle Rudolph when he was healthy. I mean, he has sure hands. 
Tyler Conklin coming out of the woodworks. Those three guys are all receiving threats. You have Adam Thielen, who I didn't even mention, arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league. You have Delvin Cook, who absolutely blows defenses away with how well he can not only run over anybody, but he can also catch out of the backfield. He's one of the top screen running backs in the NFL. Yep. You have Alexander Madison, who's right behind him in the depth chart, as we've already said, can start in other for other teams in this league. But we'll, we'll probably try and keep him to stay behind Delvin. All these guys, and follow me on this, man. This is this is absolutely insane. I'm about I'm about to break down some numbers for you. Okay. Yep. Justin Jefferson this season broke the rookie receiving yards record with a perfect 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, and he averaged 15.9 yards a reception on the year. So. Taking all that data and looking back at the season, Tyler, I don't know if you remember this, but JJ didn't even really get a chance until week three. Yep. Okay. So I went back and I looked at how many receptions he averaged between week three and week 17 when he was a starter on offense. Yep. He averaged just under eight receptions. It was around 7.7. So I did him the favor of rounding up to eight receptions and and giving him that extra one. Okay. Not even really an extra one, just giving him the, the pure eight. Okay. When you factor in eight receptions for those first two games with averaging 15.9 yards and the seven touchdowns over the span of those, again, those, what was it, 14 games? Week, yeah, week three through 17, 14 games. Then you look at another touchdown, and he finishes the season with 1,654 yards. That is an average of over 100 yards a game and half a touchdown per game. That puts you in a situation where you potentially win week three, a one-point game against the Tennessee Titans. You also potentially win week five against Seattle, which is a one-point loss. That puts this team in the playoffs. And also, who even knows? I mean, if you get J.J. started from week one, it begins a whole other rhythm. Who knows how it affects the offense and how defenses yep. play us, and maybe we win even more games. So if the Vikings are in the playoffs, that gives voters for the Offensive Rookie of the Year something else to think about instead of just looking at, well, both these teams, the Vikings and the Chargers, they both missed the playoffs. So let's go with the quarterback since they both missed the playoffs. J.J. does not get to touch the ball every single snap. He made all of his receptions count. The dude is an absolute monster, and he put up numbers that we might not see touched for years, probably won't see touched for years. And if we had gotten him started and he, he was anywhere close to the type of numbers that I'm saying he could have potentially reached, there would not even have to be a vote. He would outright win rookie of the year. 
So like, that's my point is, yeah, you can give Justin Herbert all the credit in the world. I got nothing but respect for him and what he does. And I think that he's going to truly be a, a force to be reckoned with in the NFL in the future. But Justin Jefferson is doing things that at the wide receiver position that we have not seen in year ever. I was about yep. to say in years, but we've never seen it ever because <laughs> he broke records. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Just one more quick thing to add. It's it's a similar situation currently in the Heisman race right now with Devonta Smith. Um, oh yeah, I think he's 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 a deserving winner there. I think he should win the Heisman. But they're both in similar situations, like both putting up crazy numbers. I mean, Alabama's obviously undefeated so far this year, but this team wouldn't have had seven wins without JJ. I mean, they and would have four. And, and like I said, could have had more wins. And could, yeah, JJ- and could have been more. If JJ would have gotten involved sooner, I I truly believe that this team has more wins if they get him involved sooner. So yeah, dead on 100%. The chargers don't come nearly as close when you look at overall team impact with Justin Herbert versus JJ. 100% could not agree more. Um, Oh man. Okay. You know what the next thing that we have on the schedule here to discuss is Tyler. OC, baby. We're going to talk some offensive coordinator situation. Um, I know how much you want to talk about this, so go start it. Gary is gone. I am not too worried. I, You know my opinion on this. I could care less. Um, <laughs> I don't. The fourth and ones that cost us this season – bringing up the Seattle game, the Chicago game twice. This happened twice. The fourth and third and shorts cost us the season pretty much on offense. This team could have won plenty more games. Some of the times we didn't take shots down the field were absolutely ridiculous, especially early in the season. Mm -hmm. (sighs) This offense could have been been even better than seventh in the league. (laughs) Like, like, yeah. It, it, it's and I think the play calling is what what hurt it. I like it could have been number one, but I think the play calling is what really hurt it. Um, going into my first candidate, actually, um, you know what? I'm gonna save my best one for last. But the first guy I'm gonna bring up is I think it's the simplest move. The Vikings, Clint Kubiak. I just I feel like he's the guy now. I mean, I feel like it's the easiest decision for the Vikings to make. Um, I think we we're we're a franchise that likes to make the easy decision, and I feel like he knows the system. He knows Zim. He yep. he works with Kirk pretty much day in and day out. Um, I just yep. think it's the move that is the be- is probably the most easiest move to make. I don't know if it's the best move because I have a guy who I'd bring up, but I think it's the easiest move for them to make. Okay, so so, yeah. so Clint Kubiak is the easiest move, but not necessarily the best move. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so so who are your other guys? You said you got three guys. Um, well, here'd be a, a here's my mid move. Like here is like the one the move that I think would be okay, but I don't think it's the best possible option, and that is Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn. Interesting. Anthony Lynn actually knows Gary Kubiak well. Um, and yep. I feel I feel like he can Shanahan adapt to coaching tree. Yep, he can adapt to this Zimmer system of the play action pass and getting the fullback in there. Um, because he actually did play fullback and when he was a uh when he was in the NFL. But um yeah, I just I think he's a vet 
he, he's been in the league. He worked with Justin Herbert, obviously, last year. Um, I think that will translate well with Kirk. Um, and he's been in this – he's coached in this league. He's been a head coach. He has experience. I feel like Zimmer likes those guys who have been in the league and have experience, especially at the position. So a, yeah. a move that I think would be good, but I don't think it would be the best move. Okay, what's the best move, Tyler? The best move – but Come on, man. You got back. me on the edge of my seat, man. You got me on this, the edge of my seat. This, this might shock you, but I don't know if it will. The best okay. move would be Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer coming back. Pat Shermer. Wow. Pat, Sher- Pat Shermer. And here's why. Pat Shermer obviously knows Zim well, which I've said all these guys do. But well, this this Vikings team, you, he didn't have Kirk Cousins at the quarterback position when he was the offensive coordinator. And this team went 13-3. and three. The offense was solid. I mean, the defense played, obviously, tremendously well. But you give him Kirk Cousins and you get an offensive lineman in the draft. I think Shermer just – I think it's going to work out. It would work out really well. Um, and – He's got experience. I, I just yeah. think I think it's the best move, man. I and he just he knows wow. the the system, man. I, I think no. Shermer's the guy. I, here's the thing, though, Tyler. I am shocked. You said you said maybe you won't be shocked. I'm 100 percent shocked. I wouldn't have expected you to pull out Pat Shermer. The thing is, though, I don't think it's gonna happen because he's currently the Broncos' offensive coordinator. But I mean, I just I think Shermer's. I think I don't know, man. I was impressed with the set the 13 and three in that offense that year, man. With, with what he did with Case Keenum making him look that good in the plays that like, it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. You got, you just because got my freaking gears turning, man. That's crazy. You've seen, you've seen Case Keenum ever since he left Minnesota. It's been yeah, nothing good. It's, not, it's, it's been not nothing great. good. Not How great. did Case Keenum look that good? Like, you know what I mean? Like imagine giving him Kirk Cousins. I mean, he hasn't had a good situation in Denver. Some may say that the reason Case Keenum looked so good is because of the wide receiver core around him. And we have a good wide receiver core around him right now. It's fair. It's very well, fair. With Kirk man. Cousins. We yeah, no, with Kirk hey, Cousins. I honestly, I love it. It's a hot take. It's a very hot take. I'm, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. My, my take, you know, you already mentioned it. It was your it was your first one. It was your safe route. It's the one that I think is not only the most realistic, but um let, well let me see. I mean, let me see if I can convince you on this. Okay. Let me let me add some things to the to the Clint Kubiak argument. Okay, because this is really the only guy that I have on on my radar, the only guy that I plan to bring up today. I I like all of these options. Anthony Lynn would also be my second slightly better option. Um, but Clint is the one that I'm going for specifically because <laughs> um, he's obviously he's Gary's son. So he knows the same scheme that, that Gary runs and all that kind of stuff. He has continuity. He's been on the staff for the couple, for a couple of years here. Um, so to a certain extent, it's not the same deal that we've had with Zim and with Kirk where they're constantly changing offensive coordinators and they can't give any sort of consistency or any sort of continuity, you know, under these guys. Um, But I think the other thing that we have to look at here is I think it makes the most sense for all of our players, 
Clint has 10 years of coaching experience under his belt, and more than half of those years being at the NFL level. He's worked with QBs, wide receivers, and tight ends at the professional level. Um, he, as I've already said, can bring consistency, but I also think that he can inject kind of a youthful perspective into the offense since he is younger, since he has worked with other position groups. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily have to be held to his his father's scheme, you know, or his father's offense. He can kind of take yep. it and mold it more maybe to what he sees. Uh, hopefully that means maybe a lot more play action pass or more just shots down the field in general, since you have one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league when it comes to throws of 20 yards or, or more. Um, but the reason that I really say this is actually because of a reason that I'm going to get into with our next segment. So it was perfect that you brought up Clint Kubiak and that I could like try to do that. Cause when we, as we move into three key moves that the Minnesota Vikings need to make as an organization in the off season, whether or not it, it's, it's right away, yep. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be step one, two, and three, but three key moves that they absolutely must make at some point this off season. So since I've already kind of started, I guess I'll, I'll go into um, the rest of, of, of it, which plays into my first key move here is promoting Clint Kubiak and whoever you draft for the quarterback under Kirk Cousins in this upcoming draft, assuming that you draft a quarterback, which I genuinely believe we will, you also hire their offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach to become our quarterbacks coach the position that Clint Kubiak currently is. You have yeah. him, you have them take over as quarterbacks coach, therefore keeping consistency for your current quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and for your current head coach, Mike Zimmer, this next season, allowing them to do whatever it is that they want to do. And hopefully, you know, make a run for the Super Bowl with these defensive guys back and a little bit more shirt up offensive line. But then when this quarterback is ready to take over for Kirk Cousins and Clint Kubiak probably starts garnering attention from other teams to maybe be a head coaching candidate or an offensive coordinator position that he, he likes more. Yep. You promote the QB coach to your new offensive coordinator and you have stability for a solid, probably four years. Is it a total pipe dream? Maybe. But I think that there is some realism to the argument of, of really trying to go for it. I think that to a certain extent, you can maybe make an offer for the quarterback's position sooner rather than later if you promote Clint, you know, as soon as possible. And then, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to show your hand too much, obviously. You're never guaranteed that a, a specific quarterback is going to fall to you, but it'd be pretty awesome for it to go that way. In my opinion, if you disagree, I'd love to hear what, you know, what you have to say and why, but. I, I don't disagree. I just think it's, I, I think that's much easier said than done. I just don't think yeah, that's happening. Yeah. I just yeah. don't not, I do not see the Minnesota Vikings doing something like that. <laughs> that is doing not something smart. Are you saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, that's funny. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I think that obviously you wouldn't probably hire the QB coach right away. You'd have to wait and see whoever it is that you draft, but yeah. Um, it's a, it's a move that I would really like them to see. And something that I, I quite honestly do believe is key to their success in the future, not just this next season. I guess that's kind of, kind of my, my biggest point there. Yeah. But, um, you got anything for me? Any, any, any moves we can kind of like trade off here as far as, uh... um, well, do you, do you, does it, does it matter? Like I can, I, I got two big ones. Go. Yeah. Whatever, man. Whatever you want to say. I th- the first key move you make this off season is get rid of Kyle Rudolph. Um, <laughs> just flat out. Too. <laughs> is you flat out get rid of him? It, it, it's. Oh my god. It, <laughs> you. you I, you can't, I mean, you can try to lower that salary and work on his contract, but and restructure that thing. But I don't, I don't even think you do that, man. You just straight out trade him or maybe even release. I, I don't, he's a good player. He's a good guy on the community and I respect him for that, but it, we have just too much depth at the position already with Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin that it doesn't really make sense to even have him anymore, especially because yeah. he's getting older. And yep. I mean, we need, pieces we need more we don't have depth at this tight end position we need we need things at the offensive line we need things on the defensive line and to create cap space to get to be able to get some of those things is starting off by getting rid of kyle rudolph whether you trade him or outright release him or try to cut his i don't know just get rid of him yeah yeah all right that's so freaking hilarious that you said that because my next point was trade Kyle Rudolph and, you know, maybe add some picks if necessary. I know that they already tried to shop Kyle Rudolph and everybody was asking for Irv instead. So if you have to add maybe a fourth or fifth round pick or something like that, trade him to either get more draft capital at a higher position, maybe another third where you could potentially try and trade back into the second round or something like that um, during the draft. Or trade for a player that you can kind of plug in and play, you know, as far as maybe some linebacker depth or a, a lineman that maybe didn't get as much from a team, you know, that, that has maybe some starting potential somewhere else with you um, that they're willing to let go of. Just looking for ways to move him. Um, and then some teams that I specifically was looking at that didn't really get great production from the tight end position or could use a really sure-handed tight end. Cause I really, I do give Kyle Rudolph nothing but props for the type of player that he is. He's got some of the best hands in the NFL. I just think that we're paying him a little bit too much for like two to three spectacular catches a year. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Carolina has a not fantastic tight end situation in my opinion. Uh, and then the New York giants, and Evan Ingram, people are pissed off at the drops that he's had this season, and they are wanting to get rid of him. And I don't know, I could, I could see Rudy going to the New York Giants and, and making a bit of a, um, a ruckus there in the tight end room. I think that would be kind of yeah. cool to see him be one of the G-men, to be completely honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are other players too that I want to see shopped and, you know, maybe even sign in trades, but those are, are so rare that we'll probably get 
into those more in future episodes and stuff like that, yep. especially yep. Um, with this new time constraint that we have. But the key here is move on from the old and in with the new where you can afford yep. it, you know, and, and try and get, you know, try and get the value that they're, that these players are worth if you're going to move them. Exactly. Uh, so what's your next big one? This is perfect. Um, well, um, we actually kind of talked about this earlier, but I got a few guys who I would like to see um, uh, for a specific, specific position. Sorry. Um, oh, you're good. And that would be the kicking position because Dan oh, Bailey, Dan Bailey, Dan Bailey, you're, uh, you're canceled. I don't want to see you. you. Just, just leave, leave the Minnesota Vikings, please. Goodbye. <laughs> but I looked and some UFAs I liked. I've got, I picked up picked out three different guys. Now the three different guys are Matt Prater from Detroit because I do not know. I know he's a solid kicker, but I don't know if they're going to resign him due to this team trying to rebuild because this team has a ton of free agents right now, and I'm hearing right. they're not going to sign a lot of these guys. I think it's a full down rebuild in Detroit um, with Matthew Stafford might not being there as well. They might trade yeah, him even. That's as well. crazy. Them not having a coach and the whole like GM situation. I think it's a full on rebuild um yep. down there um ryan suck up from tampa bag she expect him to resign there probably this offseason but the number the, the guy who i want the most would be young hoku from the atlanta falcons this guy was hit this guy hit 94.9 percent of his field goal attempts this year 37 out of 39 he he missed he only missed two he missed three extra points but i mean he was solid this year man you saw the game against us i think he had at least four kicks he made. I think it was at least yeah. four. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, indoors, he kicked well in that game. Um, he kicks in Atlanta, kicks indoors. I mean, I feel like he's a good indoor kicker. Um, yeah. So that's perfect for me. I think he's highly underrated as a kicker. Um, I don't know what the Atlanta Falcons will do with that, but if the Vikings offer him money, maybe more, I don't know yeah. how much cap space we have, but. I would love to see Koo be a Minnesota Viking, man. Hmm, I mean, interesting. I, I like I'm, the move. Yeah, he's a UFA this year. So yeah. I, I like the move a lot. Um, I think that just to give your point a bit of a, a different perspective, um, I think that if you're the Vikings, as much as kicking was a, a problem, you still have to go a little bit cheaper, in my opinion. Because another kind of tenant to the whole get rid of Kyle Rudolph and these other older players or these players that you can live without and potentially get kind of capital for is um, even if you're not trading them to get actual draft capital or that kind of stuff, if you're getting rid of cap space, there are guys that you should be going after in free agency. And the, the biggest name for me that comes to mind is Joe Thune or Thunny. Yep. Um out of new england he's a guard and he is gonna probably need about 13.5 ish a year uh i don't i yeah i don't have the exact numbers of the minnesota vikings and what type of cap space they're gonna be working with and it honestly wouldn't matter if i did just because of the fact that we don't know the type of moves that they're gonna make but that's a huge kind of tenant of that. So as far as kicking goes, it's important, but you don't want to be spending a crazy yep. amount of money on the contracts. Exactly. That's all that yeah. I was getting at. I agree. I just, as being the best option out there, he's the guy. 
For sure. And yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, I like the idea. I, I didn't even think kicking. That's awesome. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, I guess I'll finish it out with my last move here. My, and, and this is one that I know that you can get behind, but I'd like to hear your opinion on it to close this out. Yep. I want us, and I, this is, this is the one that needs to happen no matter what. The rest of these might be a little bit more pipe dreamy, but this one needs to happen no matter what. The Minnesota Vikings, by the start of the 2021 regular season, need to hire a game situation slash clock management assistant who reports directly to Mike Zimmer. Zimmer yep. has been proven he to love he loves delegation. He's consistently struggled in these in these two areas throughout his tenure in Minnesota. And I have some good candidates for this position. Okay. The first being Sam Mills the third. If you don't know that name, that's okay. He currently works for the Washington football team as the defensive line coach. He has experience with this position. In fact, he was the one that worked under Ron Rivera in Carolina when this position was created and kind of made waves as far as actually being a thing now in the NFL. But then there's two names in house that I was also looking at, and I want to get your opinion on this. Okay. These are the two that interest me the most. Kennedy Polamalu, our current running back coach and father of Troy Polamalu, the hall of fame safety. And then the other name is AC Patterson. Son of co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson, okay? The reason that I chose him is because he has a pretty rich football history growing up with, obviously, his dad and his coaching tenure and all that stuff, playing football when he was younger. Um, And then he he currently works right now as the offensive quality control assistant or one of the offensive quality control assistants. So he has knowledge of both the offense – and the defense with his dad. So he, he, he would understand kind of the whole scheme of our team in general and how yep. it would work into game time situations. I don't know. I think that it's super intriguing, but I think that it's absolutely mandatory for our future success. Oh yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree. Um, I didn't expect candidates like that. Um, <laughs> that's crazy, but uh, yeah, man, I, um, the game is just, it's fast now. And Mike Zimmer is kind of an old head, but I mean, he, we've seen time in and time out, he hasn't managed the clock this year at yep. all. And it's, it's cost us in big, it's cost us in some big games. Yeah. Um, that's a, That's an important role, man. It really is. People might not think it is, but it really is. I mean, when you're in a big game in like a playoff game, for example, the divisional round or the even the championship game, like those are, those are crucial late in games, like even regular season, any game, like these are crucial moments. Like you have to be able to control the clock and you have to be able to use your timeouts at the right time. You know what I mean? You can't like just use all your timeouts at the same time. You've got to or or actually know when to challenge or know when to have a hurry up offense and actually be able to drill those guys into having some urgency on the field. And, you know, that kind of stuff is also super important. It's just like he doesn't care, and I feel like he doesn't care. So I think getting a separate guy for that, like you said, and him not having to worry about it just makes his job and this team going forward just better. You know what I mean? So 100%. 100%. It makes us team better. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Vikes with a Mic. Or I shouldn't say this week's episode because we have another one coming up on Thursday. But – Uh, for this edition of 
Vikes with the mic and the Vikings breakdown of this past season and this week's game leading into the offense. We're super excited about all the things we mentioned earlier, uh, upcoming plans with off-season episodes, special guests that we'll have on the show, and other situations as far as mock draft and uh, news coverage as certain things break from Minnesota Vikings. As always, make sure to check out our website. We have all of our past episodes. Um, they're all linked yep. there. You can find those and listen to any of those when you want. Um, feel free to support the podcast in any way, shape, or form. Reach out with questions, suggestions. We want to hear from you guys. We absolutely love hearing from you guys and how we can make the podcast better. But until Thursday, we will uh, we will see you then, and Skull Vikes. <laughs>